my name's Stan Wilson. Thank you for gathering with us, whether you're online or you're here in the room. Uh, we're going to have another minister on our ministry team uh, gather with us as well. Dr. Cloud's going to be joining us remotely here in just a minute uh, while they get that going there in the booth. Um, I wanted to have us think about a couple of things, though, as set up. Number one, when we come and gather together, we do it for numerous reasons, right? Um, there's several reasons. You could go through several of them, and I won't list them all up here because I'll forget one. But one of the reasons that we come together is to equip ourselves to go out into the world and be on God's mission, specifically as Jesus asks or, or shows us in John chapter 17 to go out and convince the world that Jesus is the Son of God and that the Father has sent him and that Jesus' promised future is actually a reality that's coming. When we do that, we come in here with a bunch of information that we know and we've maybe known our entire lives. Like, for example, last week, Les Chapman introduced our new series, Move, um, for 2021. And as he said this morning, we're going to be talking about David. And in that introduction, Les said a couple of per perfect facts. He said, we know more about David than anybody else in the Old Testament. We also know that David wrote or authored more than 70 of the 150 Psalms that are in our Bible we would not take any issue with any of those statements, right? However, would it surprise you that the people outside this building, the people out there in the world, might not believe any of that? As a matter of fact, not only might not they believe that, they might not even believe that David is a real person at all. They might not believe he was a king or that he even existed. So what we're going to be looking at here in a moment, hopefully, um, if you guys can just expand that with the little green ball to a full screen. That should uh, let Dr. Cloud come in. There you go. All right. Perfect. Uh, thank, All right. Thank you. And so, Dr. Cloud, can you hear us? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. So, Dr. Cloud, what everybody's on their uh, edge of their seat about is can you help us understand the historicity of David and why human history says there's these kings that existed and those kings are listed in the Bible but in the Bible there's all this information about David and in human history there's not much about David and so some people say well David can't be a real person take it away thank you are you ready for me Stan I am ready for you yes sir well thank you very much Stan for those words welcome Hendersonville congregation Juanita and I miss you greatly and look for the day we'll be with you again. The topic today is historicity of David, which simply means, was David a real person? Did he exist? And as Stan has mentioned, uh, as uh, uh, Les mentioned last week, and Stan also mentioned, uh, David has chapter after chapter after chapter on his life. We have a few characters like the father of Ahab is mentioned in ancient Near Eastern literature, but he only gets a few verses. And David gets all these chapters to tell us about God's, uh, the forerunner of God's Messiah. So the question is, is he a real or a mythical person? The, um, the consensus of scholarship up until the time that I went to, uh, Israel in 1993 had had come to the point uh, had come uh, to the situation uh, 
where scholars were simply saying that he was about as real as King David. And so in 1993, in January, I was at the city of Dan. And, uh, um, okay, I, I, uh, I was at the city of Dan. Uh, let me just say one word to the staff. Ken, I can hear you guys for some reason. Uh, okay. I, all right. So I didn't know if, if it was coming through or not. But in any case, I w went to the city of Dan in January of 1993. And for about 30 years, scholars had kept on saying over and over again that David did not exist. Many books started coming out with that. Many lectures were happening that David didn't exist. The most, the most interesting thing was that uh, uh, Stan, it may be, I, I'm getting static, and it, it may be Stan or it may be the booth. I'm not sure where the static is coming from. Okay. Anyway, um, when Henry Austin Layard and others began excavating in the land of Israel, what happened was they uh, began finding the names of many, many scholars in the Bible. Uh, many, many uh, people in the Bible, characters, Tiglath-Pileser, Sargon, Shabbat-Ezer. Uh, they, they found Nebuchadnezzar's name. Many Assyrian kings, many Babylonian kings like Nebuchadnezzar, and even a few kings from Egypt like Shishak, whom we're going to mention uh, in, in the, the near future. Um, even people in, from Israel, Amri, Ahab, Jehu, uh, people from the, the land of Judah, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. And, and even the peoples around Israel began being found, and who mentioned in the Bible, but were, were found uh, in ancient Near Eastern literature and archaeology, uh, the Mesha, king of Moab. And so we had all of these different peoples that uh, uh, were located. And yet, where was David. He was not to be found, you know. Why this man who was mentioned so often in the Bible not found? One scholar, and many said something similar as I said a minute ago, many scholars boldly stated uh, that David was just about as real as King Arthur. Well, in fact, a book came out by a man named Joel Baden, and um, uh, he, he said that uh, the, the, a lot of the claims that made in the Bible about David were just not true, absolutely not true. And so he wrote a book, and he named it The Historical David, The Real Life of an Invented Hero. Uh, so this is just a, a, a few years after I went. Now, the most interesting thing is this before 1993 before uh i went there was no evidence whatsoever and all of a sudden at the city of dan and i walked right by it in 1992 january of 1992 there was found a few inches under the ground there there was found uh, a stela a, uh, a, a erected stone put up by Haziel. And Haziel talks about 
uh, uh, this. First of all, in Baden's book, he said, is the story about David, is it history, real history, or is it just propaganda? Did David really kill Goliath? Um, did, did, did David write any of the Psalms? Jonathan was not a friend of David. He was a usurper, a murderer, a ruthless outlaw. This was what was being stated by, um, by the liberal scholars. This is what Baden said in his book. And look at the title again, The Historical David, The Real Life of an Invented Hero. Well, as I said, in 1992, in January, I was right here. Uh, this is the city of Dan. There's Mount Hermon right behind it. There's the city of Dan. And uh, in this courtyard here where I'm putting my cursor and, and the arrow is pointing to, this stela was found. And this stela, and here's a picture of it, this stela, and you, of course you can't read the writing. It's ninth century uh, ancient Aramaic Hebrew. And at the bottom in white, it says the house of David, the house of David. Um, and right above it, it's uh, in a line just above it, it says the king of Israel. So it's telling about two kings, Jehoram or Joram is one of the kings. And the second king that's being mentioned is, uh, is Ahaziah. And these two kings, the king of the house of Judah, are the king of the house of David. And so on one line, it says, it talks about Jehoram, the king of Israel. And then the next line right below that, the king of the house of David. The first time ever outside the Bible that the name David was found. Uh, lo and behold, in the next few years, there, was, there were two more sightings of David's name. One on the Moabite stone uh, near the bottom. Uh, the, the Moabite stone had been broken to pieces before archaeologists were able to buy it and kind of glue it back together. But suddenly one of the top scholars began to realize, realize that this is, this actually said uh, David's name. It also said the house of David on that. And then down in Egypt, an Egyptologist named K.A. E. Kitchen a man who strongly believes in the Bible, uh, the Bible is the word of God. Kitchen found uh, a statement made by Shishak as he's coming into the land of Judah, he tells on his records, in his records, that he came to the heights of David. And so there was the name David again. But archaeology, this was just the beginning of an incredible flood of archaeology. Here is a picture of Elath Matsar. She began excavating um, uh, in Jerusalem, and she believes she found the Palace of David, and that's been an ongoing uh, research now uh, for the last uh, 14, 15 years, and she keeps finding things to show us that. But th that's not all. The discoveries just keep on pouring in over and over and over, you see. So anyway, the picture changed. The picture changed from David being a uh, fictitious person, a made-up person, an invented hero, to, well, okay, we, the scholars said we agree that David exists, but what, uh, what happened here is they still refused to, to take the picture of the Bible. They accepted David, 
but they still didn't want David to kill Goliath. They didn't want David to write a psalm. They didn't want David to be the hero that the Bible actually pictures him in. The Bible actually gives a very, very clear and fair picture of David. That picture is, is simply this. Here is a man after God's own heart who made mistakes, but quickly repented of those mistakes, you see. Uh, but what they wanted to picture now was a little unimportant king in an unimportant city sitting uh, on the top of a hill in Jerusalem, uh, an outlaw, a murderer, a sex fiend, a person that, that uh, is is a totally different picture of the Bible that the biblical writers simply turned him into a saint. And of course, that's just not the case. Does it really matter what the critics say? Yeah, there's actually much in stake. If you turn to Matthew 1.1, there it says uh, at the very beginning, this is the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. No one would say Abraham was not important. But this genealogy is important. And so uh, uh, the point is, that if all of this were made up, why would they choose David? If he really was pictured like, like they say he was pictured, that he simply, this material was simply embellished and blown out of proportion, and David made a hero when he wasn't, why wouldn't David claim to go back to Hezekiah, to Josiah, people we know an awful lot about in archaeology? Frankly, the reliability of Scripture is on trial here. And so the picture that Baden and other people painted is not one of a man after God's own heart, not at all, but rather it's simply a made-up character where the true character of David is being hidden. In 2 Kings 18.3, it says, Hezekiah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that David, his ancestor, had done. If Baden is right, shame, shame on the biblical writers for doing that. We're going to, as we keep trying to tell you over and over again, what has happened is that um, uh, archaeology just keeps on bringing new information. Not only have we found the palace of David, we have also found a fortress in the Valley of Elah, which tells us a lot. And we're going to take a small section of scripture today and show you uh, this fortress. This is on the northern ridge in the Valley of Elah. It's called Kirbet Kayafa. It is a site, and you saw a book written there by a man named Yosef or Joseph Garfinkel, who is also trying to show that this is the very city mentioned in first samuel 17 uh and, and this is where david fought against goliath that is in front of this city here is the western gate and here's the southern gate it's extremely extremely important that you understand that uh, that uh, this city is called the two gates it's translated in the bible as sha'arayim the the two gates and lo and behold <clears throat> this fortress is found and it has two gates. You do not have two gates in a normal city in Israel, two outside gates. You only have one. 
But uh, now we understand why in 1 Samuel 17, the place that where Saul and David were talking, and, it's, and, and Saul goes, David goes out the front gate, goes into the valley. Down the right hand, you can see it. Uh, and it picks up five smooth stones right there at the brook of Elah. Now, Kirbet Kayapa simply means the ruins of a place called, and the modern name is Kayapa. Here is a picture from inside this fortress. And there's the Valley of Elah. Uh, as you walk out the front gate, and this is usually where I stand and lecture when I lecture here on the trips to Israel. The last two trips, we didn't, we didn't get to go there because uh, there were, uh, uh, it was dark, it became dark before we got there. But if you, I stood here and lectured, this is where David and Saul would have had their conversation. David walked out this front gate, the southern gate, goes down the hill. Guess what's there? Right in, in front of it is the, the very first thing you come to is the brook of Elah. And uh, anyway, again, a special note. Remember, this is the city was actually called Sha'ariam in 1 Samuel 17, 52. It is, this, it should, it'll be translated in the, in the newer versions. It'll say the city called the city of two gates here. Uh, here's the picture of the Valley of Elah again. And uh, Stan put this in here for us. Stan is uh, an unlikely hero, he says, David versus Goliath. So what does all this mean? Let me just take a small section of uh, 1 Samuel. I'll pick up one verse in uh, verse chapter 14 and then look at chapter 16 and 17. And if we can show, not, not like scholars say, Scholars uh, continually say that uh, what happened was that these stories were circulating and the scholars, editors picked up two or three of these different versions. One, David being a hero, a warrior. Uh, one, David being a, a shepherd, young shepherd hero. One being where Saul didn't even know David and uh, pieced it together. And that's why they're conflicting parts of the story. There are no conflicting parts of the story. Let's just, let me just take you through and look at chapter 14, verse 52, and then chapter 16 and 17, and show you how this is a story that completely fits together. In verse 14 of First uh, Samuel, uh, verse uh, 52 of chapter 14 of First Samuel, the last part, that's what the B stands for, it says, whenever Saul saw any man of war or valiant, so any man of war or a valiant person, so a brave and strong warrior, he attached him to his personal staff. Now that verse is oftentimes overlooked, but here is the verse. Here is the verse that clearly says that every time Saul saw a man of war, he attached him to his staff. Now, jump to chapter 16, the very beginning of the chapter. God sends Samuel to Bethlehem. Bethlehem is about 16 miles south of Saul's capital at Gibeah. Saul's capital was a few miles north of Jerusalem. Bethlehem is a few miles south of Jerusalem. Samuel goes and anoints David. All we know about David was that he was a shepherd. Uh, he was the youngest of the sons of uh, Jesse. And that doesn't mean a thing. My youngest brother lives in Nolensville, Tennessee, and he is 69. 
and yet he's my youngest brother. That's a relative thing. So that tells us nothing about David's age. Other things will make it very clear. And Samuel sees Eliab, big, tall, strong, brother of David. And he said, oh, this has got to be the king, because look at his height. Look at his statue. And one of the words in the ancient world for king was big man. And God said, no, look at his heart. Don't look on the outward appearance, but look on his heart. And so what? Uh, uh, so David comes and is anointed. Then all of a sudden, the writer in chapter 16 takes you to a different place. He takes you up to uh, uh, takes you up to Gibeah. And even though I don't have it here, I have it on the next screen. Let's go. Let's see. Maybe I'll go. Let me go back one picture. Uh, well, we'll pick it up in just a minute. But what happens is he goes to up to in the first Samuel 16, beginning in verse 15. He goes up to Gibeah after Saul's soldiers uh, are trying to persuade him to get a musician to play for him. God has sent a troubling, troublesome spirit uh, on Saul and his, uh, his warriors, his council, his uh, officials say to him, you need to get a musician. And then one of his officers steps up and says, oh, there is a man down in Bethlehem. He is a man of war. He is a man that speaks well. He plays the instrument well. He is a person who is well built uh, and handsome. And Yahweh's with him. Now, this is, the, I put it in a little different order here. They were looking for a skilled musician. Makes it very clear he was a skilled musician. Go back now to chapter 14, verse 52. What did it say? Saw, every time Saul saw a brave or valiant person, every time he saw a man of war, saw that combination, he attached that person to his staff. So David goes up from Bethlehem to Gibeah, and as soon as Saul sees him, he sees this big, strong guy and makes him not his royal musician. He does that. Also, we know that because uh, we see David playing for Saul on several occasions. But in the text in 1 Samuel 16, it says he made him his armor bearer. Not only did he play for him, but he became one of his armor bearers. And we find out that he goes back and forth from the city of Gibeah, uh, trains there for a while, goes and helps with the sheep, back and forth. And then when you turn to chapter 17, what you have there is you're on the battlefield. Saul's three brothers are there. Uh, David's three brothers are there fighting with King Saul. David comes up from, uh, from Bethlehem, which is a few miles east of the Valley of Elah. He comes to Bethlehem. He uh, comes to the Valley of Elah. He brings things for his brothers. And, but he's the armor bearer, so he comes right into the camp. Little boys couldn't come into the camp. And he boasts. And when Saul hears about this boasting, he has David come before him, and he says, look, you're only a na'ar. You're only, uh, it's usually translated a youth. That's incorrect. Uh, it's a word now that we know means statue. You're only the royal armor bearer. You, you still, David, had never been in battle with human beings. But David explains, I've killed lions, I've killed bears. 
And I can't defeat Goliath, but God will help me defeat Goliath. God has prepared me uh, to fight Goliath. So it tells us that David goes out of the front, goes out of the gate, uh, and goes down the hill to meet Goliath, picks up the five smooth stones. I have some of those stones right here with me. Many who have been on the trips to Israel have picked up stones and brought them home. And then David, uh, Saul had put his armor on David, but David said, I'm not used to this. I haven't practiced with it. It's not too big for me. I just haven't practiced with it. Just think about this. Saul putting his armor, and Saul was the tallest man in the land when he became king, on David. Lo and behold, what happens next is David goes out and kills Goliath. And then it says that the Philistine soldiers start running eastward. I'm sorry, westward. And it says that the, the Israelite soldiers killed them and their bodies were thrown from the road leading to the two gates, the city of the two gates, all the way to Ekron and to uh, uh, Gath. Now, the uh, what David does on the battlefield, he doesn't have a sword. He takes Goliath's sword, one he's going to use later, when, as an outlaw and running around, he's going to have Goliath's sword with him on this guy, cuts off Goliath's head. And uh, then, uh, meanwhile, Saul and Abner are having a conversation. And Saul says to Abner, who's, who's, Who is the father? He, this, this stripling is the son of what person? And Abner said, I, I don't know. The word he used for stripling there is a means a vigorous, strong young man able to bear children. So uh, here we are again at Sha'ariam at, at, at the front gate, uh, looking out of the gate. And uh, we have three things that happen here. We have number one, Saul is looking for, well, actually there are four things. Saul is looking for a man that's brave and a man is a warrior to join his staff as well as looking for a musician and david fits that bill in first samuel 16. Uh, that's what the one of the officials says to saul um, he's a man of war a man of valor he plays the music well and many other things about david a tremendous discussion about david there and then when david goes up to the kingdom he makes him his armor bearer as well as his musician and David goes back and forth. Uh, and in chapter 17, when he comes to the battlefield, uh, he persuades Saul that he can go and fight Goliath, though he's never been in the battle against human beings. He's killed lions. He's killed bears. God will be him. And therefore, uh, then the next thing that happens is Saul, as David's bringing back the head, Saul says to Abner, whose son is this stripling? You know, who's his father? Uh, what have I gotten myself into? I promised my daughter to the, the winner. I promised that the freedom of taxation. I promised the riches, you see. And Abner said he, he just doesn't know. And so when David walks up, he says to him, uh, Oh, armor bearer, whose son are you? What is your family? And, uh, and David fills him in there. Okay, now, coming to my final point. Let me read this to you here. So the fact that he was known to be a valiant or brave warrior and had become the king's royal armor bearer and musician, 
was a shepherd who had tangled with wild animals while protecting his father's flock and had an enormous, enormous amount of faith in God. All of that simply shows that David was an exceptionally gifted young man whom God wanted to be his king over his people, and God wanted to be the ancestor for the Messiah who would come to save us. Stand, it's yours. We know that we uh, didn't get but just a little scratch of what Dr. Cloud knows, but I hope that you understand that this whole presentation and our study going into David is not because we don't believe what's in the Bible and what the Bible says. Of course we take that on faith and wouldn't need anything else. But in a world where everyone around us has these types of questions and books like Baden's are being written and people are saying, well, human history doesn't reflect all this stuff that's in the Bible, therefore the Bible must be false. It's fantastic that biblical archaeology is producing things as recently as even September of 2020 with pieces of David's palace. It gives us more credibility, and I hope what you saw and heard this morning is more coloring to the stories that we know. I don't know about you, but it's pretty easy to just read quickly that David killed lions and killed bears. Uh, but what if a lion or a bear came in here right now? I mean, it totally changes the story when we actually deal with the details and see what's in it. So thank you, Dr. Cloud, for all that information, and I hope that uh, it blesses everyone and enriches our study as we move forward and move for 2021. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for... A new year, thank you for a new week, thank you for the sunshine today, thank you for Dr. Cloud and all of his knowledge and the, the travels that you've sent him on and all of the things that he's uh, contemplated and studied and things that he's even held in his hands that are relics and artifacts of the biblical story. Thank you also that uh, we believe your word, we, we know that David was a real person, we know that David was a king, as a matter of fact, as we read in Second Samuel chapter 8, David was not only a man after your own heart, but he was, a, he was the entire king of Israel. You, you placed him as the king over all of Israel, and he reigned with your justice and your equality for all people. We thank you for the study this morning, and we hope that as we move forward over the coming months of looking at Psalms and more stories from David's life, that will be a blessing to all of us and to all that we speak to in the world who may not have the clarity we have about David. We pray all this through Jesus' name. Amen.